Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Running the 615 Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Jones. Today, you are listening to episode 29, and our guest is one of my absolute favorites, Graham Stoner. I've been accused of perhaps having too many favorites. Well, I'm not going to address that here today. All I can tell you is that my buddy Graham is absolutely one of them. Graham, as you will hear, is a great runner, but there is a lot more to him than that. He is a musician. He is an artist. He is a handyman. He started his own running club, and he even makes his own beer. Yes, indeed, Stoner does it all, and we cover most of them in this episode. I first met Stoner at East Nasty back in 2008. He was wearing long, baggy basketball shorts. It looked like he actually just walked off the basketball court, which he may have done. What I remember most about our first meeting was how fast he was and how ridiculously easy he made it look. In a very short amount of time, we became friends and I was attending parties in his backyard and that is when I met his alter ego, The Jam. We don't spend a ton of time talking about The Jam in this episode, but I can tell you this, he was a hero. Graham was born in Pennsylvania where he grew up. He made his way to Tennessee for college when he went to MTSU and became a Blue Raider. Graham stayed in Nashville after college, and that is when his running re-entered his life. We talk a lot about running in this episode from his high school track days to East Nasty to his distance racing to running in the mountains. We also talk about a pretty serious injury Graham suffered several years ago in his journey to becoming a runner again. We talk about Graham's move to Colorado, where he now lives, and the challenges he faced when he left Nashville and moved to a place where he hardly knew anyone in the entire state. Stoner is a very original guy. He's about as cool as they come. Um, As I've said many times, the main reason I started this podcast was to give people something to listen to when they were out for a run or a walk. On a completely selfish note, however, another reason was because I wanted to sit down with my friends and interview them, ask them about their story. One thing I realized is that even though I know a lot of my guests really well, like Scott Bell, Hugh Mundy, Christy Beth, Mark Miller, I've still learned something about all of them during our interview. That was certainly the case with my buddy Stoner also. I want to encourage all of you out there to do that. Uh, Sit down with your parents, your spouse, your siblings, your friends. Ask them questions. Interview them. Ask them about their life and what they think about it. I promise you'll be glad you did. Since Graham has moved to Colorado, I have been out to visit him three times, and they were all significant. The first time was in the summer of 2019 when I went to see one of my favorite bands, My Morning Jacket, for two nights at Red Rocks Amphitheater. I stayed with Graham at his house and met his now wife, Emily. The whole trip was awesome. If you are a music fan, uh, there may not be a better place on earth to see a show than Red Rocks. Everything about the place is amazing. I can't recommend it enough. My only suggestion is if you do go make the journey to Red Rocks, um, go see a band that you love. Uh, I promise it will be something you never forget. The second time I went to Colorado was to attend Graham and Emily's wedding. I was there not only as a guest, but also as the wedding officiant. It was such an honor to be asked by them to be a part of the ceremony on their special day. As Graham explained, he knew that I'm no stranger to a microphone and figured I would at least keep it entertaining. I was also uh, an experience I won't forget. It was such a fun wedding and just a very special experience to be a part of. So thank you, Graham and Emily, for asking me to participate. 
The third time I visited the stoners was last summer. My wife, Birdie, and I were in Colorado to attend guest number one and guest number 15 on running the 615's wedding, also known as Christy Beth and Bob Kennedy. It was a lovely wedding as well, and even though I was not the wedding officiant for their wedding, I did wear my official clergy badge that day just in case I was needed in a pinch. On the way back home from the wedding, we stopped in Denver and went by the stoners to spend time with them, and that's when we met their baby boy, Deacon. He is an adorable little little guy, and um, the chances of him growing up to be a really good runner, if he so chooses, are about 100%. After we left their house, Bertie and I headed to Red Rocks Amphitheater. We uh, It was her first time there and my second. We saw the Avett brothers, and it was amazing for two reasons. One, because because it's Red Rocks, and I've already broached how spectacular that venue is. And two, because we had just watched the very cool documentary May at Last about the Avid Brothers, and they were fresh on our brain. It was the perfect way to end our trip to Colorado, and it made my awesome visits to that state three for three, thanks in large part due to Graham and Emily. All right, I'm sure you are tired of listening to me ramble on. Let's get to this interview already. Thanks, as always, for listening and tuning into this podcast. It's always a fun experience to put these episodes out there for the running community. If I haven't mentioned it already, I am a huge fan of our guest today. Uh, He's a great guy. He's an awesome runner, and he, he is a true friend. Life is all about the people you meet and the things you get to share with them. I will always, always be grateful that my paths cross with this living legend. Here we go, everyone. Episode 29, the pride of Pennsylvania, the artist formerly known as The Jam, the one and only Graham Stoner. We are on episode 29 today, sitting across from a great friend, Graham Stoner, who is in town and uh, was kind enough to come by and let me interview him. Graham, it's great to see you, buddy. Likewise, my good man. Stoner and I have been uh, good friends for a long time, and uh, like many of the guests on Running the 615, running was absolutely a component to the start of our friendship. Uh, It has grown considerably since the first time we met at East Nasty and went on a run, but as we always do, Stoner, that's that's where we're going to start on uh, on your first question. Tell me about running uh, and when it first became a part of your life. Uh, yeah, it's like running was definitely a part of my life early on. Um, I've always loved running. Honestly, I loved running around the playground. I loved getting chased because people couldn't catch me usually. And I also kind of loved being the chaser. So that was... I realized that I was fast early on. Um, and I, I don't know if that's, I always kind of wonder is like, was that genetics or was I just like, that I just try really hard? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I, I got into running as I got older, like high school, they, they pegged me. I was, you know, six, two and 180 pounds. And they're like, you're a hurdler. Wow. And I was a hurdler. Like yeah. I, 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 <laughs> we were just talking with Mark Miller a few minutes ago and I was trying really hard to remember the times that I used to run. And I, I know that, I mean, they were good enough for me to, win districts. And, uh, I almost won States my senior year in a couple of events too, but, um, in the state of Pennsylvania, when yeah. you were uh, going through high school, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, 
So you, uh, you know, sticking with hurdles real quick. Hurdles yeah. is 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 a timing thing when you're running hurdles. Are you are you not counting steps in your head when you're first like actually learning how to do that to run like sprint hurdles and you know not trip over them and like learn how to be a hurdler? Yeah, it's so there's a natural transition I think that happens to most hurdlers. I'm I'm certainly not the expert, but I do remember this and. Uh, they call it three-stepping. So you, it's just one, two, three and step. You, you, you don't jump hurdles. You basically clear them. That's right. the idea. Um, and most hurdlers start out four-stepping because they're, you know, they're not running fast enough. They haven't gotten the gist of it down. And I specifically remember I look and I can see it in my head and I, and we were just talking about how bad my memory is, which is why that's kind of funny, but I can picture to my head the first time I went from four-stepping to three-stepping in the middle of a race uh, cause I was finishing last in like every race cause I was four stepping, which means basically means you're switching legs on every hurdle right? on the short, on the short hurdle races. I, and I should clarify that was the one tens that I was running. Gotcha. Um, so the, the, the straightaway, yeah, the straightaway, just right. all out. Um, and I remember about halfway through the race, I was like, God, I'm getting so close to these hurdles. And all of a sudden I, and I didn't even realize it, that I just started three stepping and my, and I, all of a sudden, like. I stopped falling behind and I started catching up to everybody. And my coach was like, what? She's like, what happened? And Welcome I was like, to the world of hurdles. Yeah. She was yeah. like, you wow. have arrived. Yeah. Guess what, buddy? <laughs> I think you're going to be good at this. And yeah, uh, by the next race, I was a freshman that year. I overtook our, the senior guy who was in, in our, he was kind of our main hurdler. And, um, Dan Moenshine, if you're ever, if you ever hear this, he was one of the most gracious people that I've ever encountered. Like, who wouldn't be pissed about that? A freshman kid just coming along out of nowhere. And, and, and he was such a gracious teacher, like took me under his wing that year and was like super helpful. And I, I always liked hanging out with older, you know, older, the older kids. I mean, like I, to be honest, I mean, for those of you guys listening, Drew's kind of drew and a couple of the other guys are kind of like, they're kind of older brother figures to me. Um, we'll probably get into that later, but I mean, uh, that's why I've always enjoyed hanging around with them because they have, they know things I don't. And right you know, they give a crap, which is awesome. Yeah. So running is uh, from some of your earliest, earliest memories was a part of your life. And and then you've kind of, uh, from what it seems like been, been in it, not necessarily out of it, but maybe, you know, more in it at certain point in times. Once you got out of high school, you were in high school in Pennsylvania, you came to high school in Tennessee, MTSU, right? That's how, that's how you got down to the volunteer state. Yeah. What was, what was running like kind of post high school, um, you know, up until kind of your, your late twenties, early thirties, when our beloved East nasty came into the fold, like what was going on then? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there, there are obviously a lot of other things that were happening with all of that. Uh, running sort of took a side seat. Um, running, running in college and side seat. Yeah. No, yeah there's yeah, a I, couple I, other things going on in college. Yeah, right? uh, no comment, but <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, um, no. So I, I got away from it in college. You know, I, I moved from Pennsylvania to Tennessee. I, uh, and I, and I'm a, I'm a musician as well. So like coming here and all of a sudden being exposed to, I mean, I was in a dorm full of people that all had guitars and were all better than me. Um, for the, for, you know, I was, I was a big fish in a small pond growing up musically. And, and I moved, I, I became a very small fish in a very big pond of very big fish, uh, quickly, which was cool. So I got, I mean, I won't say that I got distracted. That was sort of just where the journey took me at that point. Uh, I got away from running, um, I did some kind of co-ed sports here and there. I got, got roped into some flag football leagues and had some pretty awesome accolades there. If I do say so myself, <laughs> uh, 
the, the, basically the play was always Graham go long. There you go. And I was like, guys, you do realize that like, if I do this every play, I eventually start getting slower, right? You should probably throw me the ball early right. before I start running out of steam here. Um, but yeah, so that, I uh, played a lot of softball uh, over the years, but then around 29, um, I was kind of going through a lot of things at the time. And um, a friend of ours who I can't, and he's not been on any Parsons hasn't been on yet. No, that, that, future guests. Maybe, maybe a suggestion there. Yes, um, yeah. yeah. So Annie Parsons, who was a big, uh, she used to write the East nasties of the week back in the day. Right. Um, great writer. Yeah. So I was, uh, at the time I was running a handyman company and I, I think Annie hired me to like hang some pictures or something like that. Um, and we hit it off And Annie is, Annie is an amazing person for any of you guys that any of you old schoolers that remember Annie when she lived here the first time. Absolutely. She's, great. uh, she's amazing. She wrote great East, East nasties of the week. She wrote mine. Um, yeah. so if you want to dig through the archives, you can find a really awful picture of me, but yet a, but a much more flattering set of words. Article, great it. photo subpar at it, best. It was, it was not, not beautiful. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, so Annie talked me into coming out and I was like, sure. Um, was this 2009? Maybe? I think so. I think yeah. it was around there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that was about right. So, uh, yeah. So Annie talked me into coming out and, um, obviously being in my late twenties and still, you know, relatively active, I kind of took to it pretty quickly. Um, so I, I was coming for a while and I was just kind of running around talking to people. And I think about, it was probably a month or two in, I was like, you know, those guys up in the front look like they're fun to talk to. I'm going to try and keep up with them. So, I ran it in with them. And at the time East nasty, which is now, I, I don't even, gosh, I didn't, I haven't been in a while. I'm, I last, when I left, uh, 10, 11 years ago, it was like 300 some people. But right. when I first started and that was right when I met Drew, it was, you know, 30, yeah, 30, yeah. 40 people, maybe on a, on a Wednesday night. So I was running and I kind of booked it in with the fast guys. And one of them happened to be Mark Miller. Um, and Godfather. My, yep. The Godfather who, what, what episode earlier on? Yeah. Um, I, episode I'm, two. Yeah. Quick sidebar. I'm probably one of this podcast's biggest fans and I feel really <laughs> awkward sitting in this chair considering some of the other people who've been interviewed here. Ah, man. No, you, but, were, uh, you were on the list when, when <laughs> I, when, when East, uh, when running 615 just existed in my head. So yeah, well, no doubt about it. I'm, I'm both excited, flattered, and a little bit flabbergasted to be here at the moment. But that's um, how we prefer it. Yes. So I finished up with Mark and, uh, and, it, like we finished up and got, I remember standing in front of the, I, I, I guess that building's not there anymore. Where we start yeah. yellow house. Oh, not yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. As of, you know, a year and a half ago, okay. two, almost two years, not, not there anymore. Yep. Yeah. So I, I haven't been back much, uh, between COVID and all the, I guess the, you know, the tornadoes and things that have gone through there. So I've, I've missed a lot in East Nashville, but, um, I finished I, anyway, let, let me finally finish the story. Right. So I finished up with Mark and we're standing there and he, and he was like, that was pretty fast for you. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, I've been kind of, kind of just running and talking to people, AKA cute girls that I was running with. And Mark's like, yep, I noticed. Yep. <laughs> I like, that's, okay. that's uh, yeah. Well, I mean, to your point though, back then it was, it was small enough that, you know, all, everybody basically knew each other, like, and you just could kind of pick which group you wanted to run with. But yeah. so you're running, you said, you know, you kind of a little bit got away from running, but that kind of started going again. And that like you and, 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 and many other guests like that East nasty component was, was the domino to, to kind of get it going again, where you were 
pretty dialed in on on running and i guess maybe for the first time distance running where it was some of the other stuff you know back in high school and so forth was was sprint and faster stuff this was like let's see let's give it a go yeah it was uh honestly i was in much better running shape during soccer season in high school than i ever was during track season uh, i was pissed if they made me run more than honestly i was pissed that they made me run the 300 hurdles at all which isn't isn't even a whole lap around the track right um, so when i had to run more than that i was even more angry uh i was <laughs> i was not a great uh i was not a great athlete for my coaches in a lot of ways uh, but um yeah it was my first foray into distance running um I, somehow i stumbled my way into like you know half marathons and such with these guys and it was i mean east nasty was a completely instrumental in that, or uh, just, just a huge part of that. And it was, I loved every minute of it. Same. Yeah. I mean, that, that was something I was going to ask you is like, when you think back on it, we are over 10 years removed from when it like first got going and was, was growing. And yeah. we've talked about East Nasty a lot on this podcast, which is great. Cause I love it. I know you love it. Like what, what's kind of your memory of, of East Nasty now from when that was happening and like, what's just some things that, you know, are maybe your favorite parts of that like little period in your life and that kind of period with, with East nasty and running as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and I'll, I'll, this will probably get a little bit serious here for a little bit, but so yeah, I stumbled, I shouldn't say I stumbled. I was guided to East nasty at a pretty pivotal part of my life. Um, I was in a pretty, pretty dark way. I, you know, like a lot of people, I, I, you know, I got dragged across a, a lot of big rocks growing up and you know, that, you walk into your, your midlife or wherever, whatever part of that life is. I don't even know. Uh, a lot of us show up at that part with baggage. Um, and I was in a pretty bad way and I didn't, you know, I, and Drew knows a good portion of this story, so I'll try and keep it brief, uh, but, and, uh, try and keep it pointed at me. I don't want I don't certainly don't want to direct this at anywhere else, but I was in a bad spot there. Um, and, and I stumbled into East nasty after kind of leaving, a uh, sort of a group that had been good to me and they were, they were such great friends, but they didn't really know what to do with me. And I was struggling in a way that they couldn't help me. Um, and, and I hate to use the term mental health cause it's sort of, sort of become, is almost become a buzzword. And, and I think people throw it around a little loosely now, but I was, uh, if you want to use that terminology, I was not in a good way at that point. And when you say, and you mean like just not in a good way more in your head than anywhere else. Like, Very I mean, much so. Both yeah. on what you'd kind of been through growing up and just like this point in your life, you know, kind of entering the early stages of adulthood mentally, you were just not in a good spot and, and not, you know, overall doing well. Yeah, very much so. And, um, it was weird, you know, cause a lot, of, I felt like a lot of the the friendships that I'd had before that, there were some very good, genuine ones. Please, you know, any, if any of you ever hear this, please know that I was very thankful for all of those. But there was also some, some obligation from external, you know, sources there where they're like, man, I, I just, you know, they didn't really know what to do with me in a lot of ways. And, and I, in fairness, I was, you know, I was asking for help from my friends that they were, none of them were qualified to give me, you know, that right. mental health is, is, it is a, very, very difficult chess game. And, and, and it should be left to the professionals if, if I'm so bold as to weigh an opinion there. Um, right. and I, you know, it was, it ended up being some East nasty people and some other people that kind of helped me get to a point where I, I did actually end up going back and, and, uh, working with a guy for about three months who ended up, um, I don't know. I was trying to think of an analogy for this. And I mean, as you're, as a, 
picture yourself as a kid, like you're sort of trying to build the foundation of your life with Legos. And as a kid, you know, you sort of experiment and you try and figure out how to put those together. So they stay together well, but you know, life comes at you fast. And sometimes you just have to leave those sort of poorly, uh, poorly formulated Lego blocks together in a way that's not really foundationally strong. Right. And, you know, by the time that I, I, you know, I, life was coming at me fast and had been moving it so quickly by the time I got to the East nasty group. Um, I had a very, very poorly built foundation underneath me. I didn't know who I was. I was trying to live up to other people's expectations and it had put me in a very bad place. And, um, you know, I, Long story short, having talked to the guy that I spoke with for, he and I just sat down for three months or three months. I was in a place where I knew I needed help and he was, ended up being the right person to get me there. In fact, Mark Miller is the one who introduced me to him. Um, he was able to give able to kind of help me work back through taking apart all of those Lego blocks very carefully and then put me in a place where I could put those back together in a much more structurally sound format. Uh, and at the end of that three months, I, you know, I was a completely brand new person. And he said, Hey, look, we're, we're at an impasse here. Like this is a, this is a therapist. You want to see yeah, a right, cast yeah. counselor, therapist. I'm not sure. I'm, right. the, I'm not sure of the, how that terminology difference, but, but however you guys want to refer to it. Yes. That's, yeah. that's what it was. Right. Um, he said, look, man, um, we've done some good things here. I can't, I'm at a place where there's not much more I can do for you right now. Like it's time for you to go figure out who you are, um, and start putting these, you know, you've got the foundation now start building the pieces of you that are actually you that you don't know yet. And God, that, that kicked off the, honestly, the last 12 years of my 12, 13 years, whenever I went through that have just been absolutely different and amazing because I've actually been able to, I've had the freedom to do the things that I've loved. And, you know, I ended up sticking with running because I loved it, not because of obligation or any other thing. Um, I, I remember I, I bought a new motorcycle that year and, and I've since given it up cause I've got a wife and a kid now. So mm -hmm. I, I, and, and pretty much everybody on the phone on the road is really just on their phone. They're not actually driving. So I'd prefer not to motorcycles, not the best to have. Yeah. In this there's day not and a whole age. lot of armor around you there, but yeah. So I, all that to say, um, I, you know, the, sorry, this is a bit of a soapbox, but you know, mental health's a real thing. Um, for anybody who's out there, if I can break the fourth wall here, that's what that's called when you talk to the audience, right? Awesome. Yes. Yeah, yes. Uh, uh, it's a real thing. And you know, I take it seriously guys. And please, you know, there, I feel like there's so many people who are afraid to admit their weakness there. And if, if you want to call it that, and if it, if it, if it even is weakness, uh, you know, this world has changed really fast in the last couple hundred years from where it had, where it's been for the majority of humanity. It's not surprising that there are so many things going on that it's hard for us to know how to process a lot of these things. Right. There is no shame in that. And man, do it yesterday. It's, I, yeah. if, if you're ever struggling with something like that, it was easily the most important thing I ever did in my life. And I'm a much better dad. I'm a much better friend. I'm a much better brother, son, all of those things now because of that. Um, right. And I, I just can't recommend it enough for anybody that's dealing with that. And, and yeah. even if you're not like, to me, it's almost just like getting an oil change on your car. Like there's no reason to, to not just stop and be like, Hey, you know what? Maybe I just need a quick mental tune up. Maybe talk to somebody who's professionally trained and knowing how to process things. It's, yeah. 
there's no shame in that. And well said, man. Yeah. yeah you mean, come off of that so much better than when you started for what it's worth. Yeah. So that's great, man. I love the I love the analogies and I, and I love just the honesty there. And thank you for sharing that. I, I do know a majority of that and, you know, have seen you both before the both before and after I've seen Um you, uh, you've gone back to running multiple times in your life. I love that you admit it's because you like it. That's a okay to, to be a runner because you like doing it. What do you feel running alone? Like the actual, you know, entity of running has, has done for Graham Stoner. (laughs) That is, that is easily going to be the most loaded question that you're going to ask during (laughs) this. Um, we start off with the big ones first. We got some stuff at the end. That's all part of the the di- uh, the diagram here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna reference another uh, thing from my my personal history there. So as a sprinter, you grow up very myopic. Um, you a lot of a lot of sprinters run on raw talent. I did. I did not train as hard as anywhere near as hard as I should have in, in high school because I didn't really. I wasn't taught to like sprinting doesn't teach you that you're just strong and you go out and you crush it as hard as you can for, for 15 seconds or whatever. And you're done. Right. Um, I think one of the most important things that running has taught me, uh, I, I didn't have great discipline up until the, you know, the pivotal moment that we talked about and sort of when I started getting involved in East nasty, but, uh, you know, I'd kind of work hard on certain things, but it was really easy for me to get sidetracked, kind of feel like I was got bored with something and move on. And one of the, I think the most important things that running has taught me that I, the ripple effect of that in my life, there will, I will never know how far has spread this is, but it taught me the value of longevity and, um, being able to work on something for a long time to get better at it. Um, and, and it's just like, whether that's training for a half marathon, something that. I can't just get out of bed and, you know, stretch a little bit and go crush. Like, no, I've got to, I've got to work on this for weeks, maybe months, uh, maybe even years at a time to get to a point. Right. In fact, I remember the first run that I went out for, this is before I got to East nasty. I went out to Shelby park and I tried to do the loop that just the front loop there where it's, I think it's just over a mile and I made it. And, and keep in mind, this is, I, you know, I, I was a very fast runner back in the day. I couldn't even make it around that one mile loop without walking. Right. Um, so that's where running I started in that sense. Yeah, exactly. Pretty, pretty, um, uh, running is always true and what you are able to do and not able to do. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if anybody, you know, is looking for inspiration, take that as some, like I started, I couldn't even run a whole mile and you know, now I've, now I've run a couple of marathons. I've run certainly lots of, lots of miles and, and, I've, and I enjoy them now because the, the adventure of learning how to trust the lawn, you know, the, I guess the joy and the journey and the longevity of all that is, uh, has taught me like, Hey, sometimes you just got to work hard. Sometimes it's not always about working smarter. Sometimes it's just work hard and that's okay. Like yeah. that is a rewarding process in this life. Sure. Well, we've talked about East nasty a lot. I'm, I'm sure there's people out there who have heard multiple <laughs> episodes who have never been to Nashville and like East nasty sounds cool and so forth for the people that 
are a part of it. The people that I've interviewed that are good friends, like it's, it's kind of 50, 50, it's the people, it's kind of like what you gained and when it was, you know, becoming what East nasty is. And then there's the running part, both of them. Great. Like by themselves, both of them are great. Sarah, yeah. the guest we had just before you, you know, dove into that as well. I, I you know, I, I think her answer of what was your favorite part about East nasty. She's like the people. I mean, obviously a hundred percent, like that's, that's a big part of it, but it, I do think it's neat that you, got back into running via East Nasty, really dove into it, ran some races, trained hard, and now 14 years later, 13 years later, still running, just ran a marathon uh, a couple weeks ago that we'll talk about. But, um, you know, what looking on it now, I mean, you were a high school runner, you ran sprints and kind of adult life, you've gotten into the distances and the road racing and so forth. What's a couple highlights? What's a couple of your favorite races that you've done looking back on it. How many, how many marathons have you run? I've done two. You've done two. So this recent one was, I, was your, specifically using the word done too. And yeah. the marathons kind of, kind of did me actually uh, in both of those races. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm right in the same question <laughs> to you. I've run four. One of them went well, the other three were trained. Yeah. So that's literally, I'm 25%. Yeah. Uh, so what, what's a couple of your favorites? Like whether it's just a highlight from that period of running or even, or both in, in a races that you just man, like that, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gosh, you know, one of the most memorable races that I can think of is the, uh, is the, do they still do the 10 miler up in, uh, the, the team Nashville one, like up in North, it's like North of Nashville somewhere. I know that race you're talking about. Um, I don't know if they do. I know, you know, obviously with the pandemic for two years, it kind of took a, where, where, I mean, where was that race at though? What was it? I honestly can't even it's remember. Consi- you're right. Team Nashville puts on that 10 miler. So it's actually a Nashville race, but I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. The 10 miles is kind of a, you don't, you don't find a lot of 10 mile races around. That's kind of unique. It's a great distance. That, right. I, that's kind of, I, I really like the half marathon distance, but I would, I might put that as my favorite distance, uh, which hopefully I didn't just rob you of one of the questions. I know that comes up later, but uh, again, the I'm, 10 miler, the 10 miler race was, was your favorite. Distance. Sorry. I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, that was, that race was awesome. Chuck, Chuck Hargrove, um, oh, talked to me. He talked I, at the time I was trying to run a really fast 5k and he was like, look, I want you to go real easy for that. So for that race, basically you go, you've got, it, it's an out and back. You got kind of an out and back, I should say, uh, it's sort of a lollipop, I guess, but you got a hill at the beginning, a hill right in the middle and a hill right at the end. And he said, look, I want you to take a good and easy to the first half. And then as soon as you come off that hill, drop the hammer. And I saw some, for me, some ridiculous paces during the back half of that race. And just, I ran it for me so well. And it was just, it just, that was one of those days when running felt right. You know, like I, we, I hope all of you have had those days because because they're magical. Yeah, it's you're exactly right. It is North Nashville. It's Goodlettsville, Tennessee, okay. is where yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And if, it's right. it's called the Team Nashville Ten Miler. Early yeah. November, uh, and do, you know, do they still do it? It Did does. I, I'm, it looks like 2022 is a go in in early nice. November. So um, that's a good one. That means you are coming back from Colorado to run in that. <laughs> we haven't got to that point yet, but after uh, after a couple of years of East Nashville, you did move out to Colorado. But that that race sticks out as just one of your favorites. Not not only one that you did, but performed well and it was just, it just all came together. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why that one sticks out in my head. Um, it was, I got to, I got to outpace a few people who, who are, you know, we, we always had a good, some rivalries with, what, what within competition. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. In, on our, in our group there. So that was fun. Um, I ran the first half with Alexis Hogue. Yeah. Um, who is, uh, such if, a cool, if any of you guys remember Alexis, she's, she's been doing some awesome things on, um, on, on like, 
just with her law degree. I believe she's in New York now and just check her out. Um, also Sarah Shear, by the way, uh, we have one of which she did a painting of, or I guess actually a sketch of our dog. She does really cool pet, um, I guess sure. portraits. Yeah, she talked a lot. We, about we've got it. a yeah. picture of Santi that she did for us up in up in my my office slash Deacon, my son's loft, where my office has a TP in it. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome girl, awesome artist. Yeah. We are sitting about four feet from one of uh, one of her paintings here on yeah. the wall. So shout out Sarah Shear. Thanks for that. No doubt. Thank you, Sarah. Um, so when you left Nashville, you you went out to Colorado and started working at a Fleet Feet in the running industry. Yeah. Um, since then, you um, got into a little bit of coaching aspects too, and actually started a running group of your own kind of with an East nasty vibe out there, uh, in, in Boulder, Colorado. What, what's kind of your takeaway from those experiences from like parlaying a move from Tennessee to Colorado into kind of working in the running industry for a bit and, and keeping that, keeping that going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, I sort of felt like, uh, <laughs> all like good portion of my best friends here all worked at Fleet Feet at some point, And I sort of felt like I was, I sort of felt left out that I never did. And it was oh, man. I, yeah, funny huge, that huge I, part of my life. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was kind of funny that I ended up at a Fleet Feet store when I moved out there. It was the only, uh, I was, I was, you know, the background story there is I was moving away from, I was a handyman for five years here. And, uh, where I, whereas I'm good at fixing things. I, at the time I was not good at running a business. Um, I was sort of just keeping my head above water and not having a good time with it. So I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm ready for a change. And, uh, you know, the stars aligned and I did end up moving to Colorado and the, the, uh, the first job that I was able to get was that fleet feed job. Um, so, you know, I, it was, it was kind of fun learning all the things that you, you know, those of you who are, who've been in the shoe industry for a long time, you know, the things that you think through on a daily basis. Um, gosh, if there's anything that I learned from that, I mean, I, I'm one of those twisted minimal runners. Um, I, I fell into that. Um, as we I, said yesterday on a run, if there was a shoe that had a piece of paper underneath <laughs> it as the, as the footbed, that would be your go-to thinner, better as far as yeah, is concerned. Yeah. I actually used to run from the store. We used to do our group runs from the store and I did a significant amount of those barefoot, which, drove my boss absolutely nuts to know. And she's like, you do realize you work for a shoe store, right? You idiot. We've got several <laughs> pairs in here that you're welcome to run in. I also, well, you probably remember those Pumas that oh, I had yeah. too. For, Graham Stoner took a pair of track spikes, <laughs> removed the spikes, and there you have it. That was his running shoe it, for, well, for more than a year. Yeah, that was my minimal shoe. I, put, I probably put 500 miles on those shoes and, yeah. and I showed up and my boss was like, you can't wear those anymore. <laughs> I was like, okay, but yeah, so I, if I've learned anything there is that the human body is amazing. Um, minimal running is not for everybody. It, it, for one thing, it's just, there is a, there's a heavy learning curve there and it's not something that should be approached lightly, but at the end of the day, it saved my knees. It taught me to run in a way that, um, just, I mean, like I ran a marathon a couple of weeks ago, I'm 41 years old. And one of these knees got torn apart a few years ago Yeah, and I was sore the next day. That's about it. That's it. Well, that is great segue, Stoner. Uh, you did have a very significant knee injury. Almost, I mean, is several years ago, maybe maybe what three or four years ago, yeah. and then you, you you got through that, got back into running, and then you just ran your first marathon in quite some time a couple of years ago in Colorado. Tell me about that. You injured your knee um, kicking a soccer ball. It was not during running. Uh, tell me about that injury, and then just kind of you know you went through a lot to get from again a significant knee injury to actually running again. And now, you know, two weeks removed from running a full marathon. So you're back, you got there, but I mean, that was a process. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> it was a, it was a traumatic knee injury in that uh, you know it was funny that people would be like ACL, and I'm like, no, you can still walk after that. It wasn't an ACL. Um, I so I ruptured my patellar tendon, um, which for those of you, and, and not, to be honest, I didn't know that term really well until they told me uh, either, but. What that means is I disconnected my quadriceps, which are the, all, the, all the muscles on the front top portion of your leg from the bottom half of my leg. So just picture a tractor trailer truck. That's like easily the, one of the biggest muscles in your body. It might be the biggest. I don't know. And you uh, separated the bed of the truck from the, yeah, from, so the just, yeah. from the back. Yeah. So I was able to pull my leg. Uh, I was able to bend it, but I, there was, I had no mechanism in place to actually straighten it out. Um, I just remember... It was like somebody set off a shock I, it, as a, as an ex handyman, I've definitely touched some wires that I shouldn't have over the years. <laughs> my, awesome. My, my eyes do uncross occasionally too, but you know, that's how that goes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was weird. It was like somebody set off a shock in my knee. It wasn't really painful so much as just like, what just happened? Uh, and I just looked down and my kneecap was about four inches North of where it had been about 10 minutes ago. And, uh, you're like, that's not good. That's uh, I tried to push it back down. Like, like that was going to fix it. <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> like, just handyman would just push it back. Yeah, in. I wasn't thinking quite straight at that point, but, uh, yeah. So, um, the recovery for that's a little weird. They, they lock your knee straight for a while. Uh, and, and, you know, unfortunately in Boulder County, there are some one, there are no shortage of really good athletes and, you know, between skiers and runners and everybody. So there are also some very good surgeons out there and, um, man, holy modern medicine. I mean, 200 years ago, they would have just cut the bottom half of my leg off and that would have been the end of it. You know, I'd have been sitting by a, a fountain with a tin can the rest of my life asking for money. Right. Um, and you know, basically what they do is they drill holes in your kneecap and they sew these cables into the, to the tendons on the front half of your, or below your knee and then sort of tie it all back together. And then your tendons have actually eventually reconnect there. Um, that said, it's obviously a pretty, uh, it's extensive. Yeah, it's extensive, but it's also pretty tender for a while. So I, you know, it took me, it took me about, it took me about four or five months to learn how to walk again. Um, it was, you know, one of those things that you very significantly take for granted when you don't have to do that. Um, and I started running again, you know, I, I still have, you know, a tiny hitch in my giddy up, but at the end of the day, like I can still, I just ran a marathon, you know, right. like I'm, and I'm, you're as close to back. As, I'm a 200 as, pound yeah. guy. Like that's yeah. not a small thing, you know? Right. So that's the fact that they can repair me well enough that I can do something like that is just still to me to this day is unbelievable. Awesome. Did you have any points? Like, I mean, obviously you wanted to get back to being able to do the things you like to do. You're living in Colorado. There's all kinds of great trails there. Like you want to be able to experience it. Did you have some times getting back from that knee injury where you're like, man, like, I don't, I don't know if this is going to be a thing anymore. Like this is, this is pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and, and unfortunately my PT was a friend of mine and she was being overprotective a little bit too. Like she just, she just, you know, she really wanted the best for me, you know, it kind of helped me, pulled me back further into the slingshot before letting me go, which was in retrospect, probably the right thing to do. Um, but there were definitely some days as I was hobbling around and I, I actually specifically remember sitting next to my friend Jill at work one day, just, I just happened to be walking around the office and we were talking and Jill's a runner too. Um, and I was just like, I, honestly, I just don't know if I'm ever, ever going to get to do this again. Like, it's just not working. Right. Uh, you know, the PT was hard and frustrating. And at the, 
uh, I think I, I don't know if I told you, but like when I, you know, keep in mind, I'm six, two, my legs locked straight. I went, I was traveling three out of four weeks a month for work at that point. So I, I think I took a month off of travel and then jumped right back on a plane. And, uh, by the way, people, if, if you ever need to see the good in humanity again, just get on crutches for a little while. Like Everybody's so much people nicer. People are happy you to help. Ah, man. That's, like a, good, that's people, a good trick of the trade right yeah, there. Poor, I like, I'm worn out. I'm just going to go buy a pair yeah. of crutches and just get some help. <laughs> I remember being like <laughs> on a plane and this woman couldn't have been more than four or five or something like that. She's like, do you want me to get your bag down for you? I was like, I, I think I, I, and she's already like on the seat. Pull. I was like, nope, that, thank you. That Yeah, that's great. Oh, thank man. you. You know, I just, it was, there was something very heartwarming about that. Actually, people were very kind and helpful when I was going through that, but, but yeah, I was traveling right away after that. And you know, that might, that couldn't have helped, I guess, in retrospect, extended the recovery. So now you, you are, you are recovered. You ran a full marathon. I texted you shortly after finishing that marathon. (laughs) That was cool. Your wife took some great photos. Marathons are hard. I'm there's, people who've been on this podcast who probably don't think marathons are hard. They're very hard, in my <laughs> opinion. What what was, uh, you know, how, how did it go in that marathon and what was kind of your take? Did you have any parts in the marathon where you thought about the knee injury where you're like, man, well, I'm out here again doing this. And there was certainly a point in time where, you know, I was teaching myself to walk again. I mean, there there's <laughs> maybe a little bit of that in there, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. So, and, and I should, I should preface this by saying, uh, I was not training specifically for a marathon. I've just been running a lot of miles up in the mountains. Um, and it is, it is difficult to translate those miles. You know, mountain miles are very different. Drew and I were, we ran the five, eight out of Percy Warner. Was that yesterday? Yeah. And I was, you know, telling him three, three mile hill is wow. Do you know how many, just feet? shy of a mile, but it's, but it's how aggressive. many, cli- how many feet of climbing is that hill specifically? What? Maybe three or 400, maybe yeah. 300. Yeah. Scott Bell would know, but yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So, I mean, I think we calculated like that, that run in general is like 600 feet of vert. Right. Um, so, and just, uh, you, you have to calculate very differently when you're doing mountain miles in that, like a lot of the runs that I do out in Colorado, I have to literally climb a thousand feet over like two miles just to get to the running part. Right. Uh, and it's that part is that early part is runnable too, but it's a very different runnable than, you know, flat pave, you know, flat pavement in a marathon. So, um, all that to say, I did not do a great, I was not training specifically for a marathon, which is, this was kind of experimental. I sort of wanted to see what would happen. Um, and I found out, but <laughs> truth, yeah, was, truth came out again. Yeah. yeah so right around 15 or between 15 and 18, some of it's kind of fuzzy. Now the wheel started comp coming off. I, I admittedly, I don't think it was my day out the gate. I didn't feel, I didn't feel awesome going into it. Like you normally do after a taper. Um, so I got out there and, um, you know, the wheels came off right around the 15, 16, 17. I don't remember exactly. Um, and my knee that, that was, that was the first time in what, three or four years since I had that done that, that my knee, I, I've had it a few times over. This is the first time my mileage has been like that in a long time, but I was starting to feel it. And I was, there were a couple of parts where I was hobbling and people were like, man, are you, are you okay? And I was like, nope. I am I'm absolutely not okay. Um, Thanks for noticing. And the answer is a hard no. But I'm, I'm not doing all right. I'm finishing this damn race as soon as I stop crying. So. There you go. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, man, that's awesome. I, I think you know marathons are hard. They're supposed to be hard. hard. Finishing them is just a, is a great accomplishment. And at you know at the very least, it kind of you know now in your head again that you're you're able to do those. And um, I like your chances of success if you uh, if you go uh, back that direction soon. I did. I, you, you brought it up a little bit. I did want to talk about Colorado running. I mean, uh, it's uh, you know Mile High Stadium for the Denver Broncos is there running uh, running uh, as they say at out is is part of being a Colorado runner. You also mentioned there's a lot of good runners out there, but I mean the running scene where you live is is a big deal, both with the access you have to the trails and there's just a lot of people that do it. What what's your, you know, what's kind of your favorite parts of of being a uh in a, a runner in Colorado? Um man, there's honestly I got to say it's probably just the trails out there. Um pretty epic trails. They really are. And it's, I mean, and uh, just in the 10 years that I've been there, I mean, those of you guys, you know, we'll probably talk about this when we get back to Nashville here, but, um, you guys have seen tons of growth here in Nashville. I, you know, just in the 10 or 11 years that I've been in the Boulder area, we've obviously seen a lot too. Um, so some of those trails, you know, I used to be able to park there at seven o'clock in the morning and get a parking spot. Like I have to take a shuttle now, if I actually want to park at some of those trailheads or just go at five, which is, you know, cause I'm, you know, to be able to just park there and go just run. be able to yeah. get, yeah, They're get popular. a spot. And, and then, you know, <laughs> it's funny. Like I, I was actually thinking about making a shirt, you know, like, cause literally I did a, I did like a 14 mile run the other day. I did the full Mesa trail for any of you guys have been out there, which is it's like 2,500 feet of climbing. It's 14 miles. Uh, and it's relatively technical trail. Um, and that was the furthest I'd run and the longest I'd run in a long time. And I'm, like come stumbling back down to the very mouth of the parking lot. And the first thing that happens is some lady in a freaking pickup truck's like, Hey, are you leaving? And I'm like, Hey, no, I died. Like not right now. I I'm bit, not. I bit the end of my tongue right off. I was so mad. <laughs> like, like, hey, give like, me a second lady. Could I just throw everything that I have on this ground at you right now? Like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> And so if any of you guys have parked it at those trailheads, you know, that's like the, every, if you stand by your car, everybody and their mom is going to drive by like, Hey, are you leaving? Hey, are you leaving? Hey, are you leaving? And I'm like, no, leave no, me alone. Not. And I'm about to die here. So leave me alone. Yes. Can I just enjoy the pain I put myself yeah. through? It does need to be noted that your wife, Emily from Colorado is a great runner, significantly better runner than you. That's not really a stretch to say yeah. that, right? Yeah. She's a great runner. And Deacon, your son, who is probably uh, only what, 18 months years old now, he might be a better runner than you uh, Wait, with, between, uh, between his mom and dad's genetics. But Emily's a great runner, right? That, that's been, that's been cool that she's, uh, you know, kind of kept you going, kept you honest, if you will, about your running. Yeah. And, and uh, we have a, I, my wife is amazing. Um, I married up significantly and I'm not great at telling her that. So I'll just tell the whole world that, and then you can, hopefully you <laughs> don't get mad at me for not telling you that stated. personally love. Yes. Um, but yeah, she's, she's a fantastic runner. We kind of bonded over running. Um, we met, we actually were working together at the time we met. Um, <laughs> I admittedly, it was kind of like just getting back into like a real big boy job at the time. And like, I was basically down there every other day being like, Hey, how, how does this benefit work? How does this benefit work? She was working in HR at the time. And, uh, she probably thought I was flirting with her and maybe I was, I don't know, but, um, but yeah, one thing led to another from there. I actually helped coach her through her. I was sort of sidebar coached, um, her through her, I, I don't think, I don't think it was, it might've been her first half marathon. I don't know. Um, but 
yeah, she quickly caught up to me and, you know, I actually placed right before I blew out my knee, I placed second in a half marathon, uh, that we ran in Austin that year, which was also a really cool race. It was like a nighttime race where we ran on the golf course and it was raining. It was rad. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, we finished. And of course, like I'm, I'm out there killing myself, like trying to maintain this. And of course, you know, there are certainly parts of that where you, you come back across the people coming back and come to find out she's like maybe a minute and a half behind me. And she's like, Hey, waving at Never me. felt better. My, my eyes are bleeding. There's smoke <laughs> coming out of my nostrils. And she's like, Hey, how good job. You're doing great. And I'm like, uh, ah, she's, she's nothing wrong at all with finding love through running. That is, she's uh, great. That, that's yes. how, that's how you should do it. I think. Um, so let's, like you said, let's talk a little bit about Nashville too, just, just, uh, on our, on our way out of this part of the interview, uh, describe to me your perfect run in Nashville. I know you love the city. Still got some family here. Um, you come back here. Where's, where are you running? What time of day? You know, who are you running with? What's, what's, what's a favorite Nashville run? Uh, no, absolutely no question in my mind, Percy Warner. Um, and I, I mentioned that I traveled a lot for work. I have run a lot of trails around this country, not to mention I live in one of the be- most beautiful areas that this country has to offer. Percy Warner is still easily in one of my, in my top three of places to run in the whole country. Um, and if I'm doing it out there, I, I do prefer the trails out there, red, red and white and blue. If I got it in me, all three of them, you know, I yeah. think that's what, like 11, 12 miles, something like that. Uh, I was hoping to do it today, but my, I tweaked my Achilles a little bit. So I figured five, eight yesterday with your buddies will have to uh, yeah, do I figured the grown up yeah. decision would be to be, yeah, it's there, uh, preferably when it's raining. And if I can do it with drew, drew Jones and Hugh Monday at the same time, if we can keep up with Hugh, that's great. And Scotty bell, that was, that was basically our run yesterday. Yeah, man. Great run. Awesome. Mark was, Miller too. If he's out for it, it was, it was a good one. Uh, how long did you live in Nashville? How long were you here? I lived in Tennessee for 12 years. I lived in Nashville for about eight of those. Okay. So yes. So in in music city for, for more than a decade, what what was your, what was your favorite part about Nashville? Um, honestly, I'd have to say the running and I, you know, that Hugh and I were talking about this yesterday, but the things that I missed the most are easily Percy Werner and, and probably, I mean, and this sounds like I'm buttering up, but not, but we, we both miss Drew Jones a lot, man, not to mention, you know, that question in here on purpose, (laughs) our our friends from that, uh, from the early East nasties days, those were, that was a remarkable group, that group. So we do miss that a lot, but yeah, absolutely. What, so, you know, is there anything about you now that you feel like is Nashville? Like what part of Nashville did you take with you? Um, you know, so I grew up, I spent 18 years living in Pennsylvania. I spent 12 years living here in Nashville and I, I've been in Colorado for uh, 11. I sort of feel like, you know, while I, there is a significant part of me that's hardwired like a Pennsylvania guy. Um, I also tend to try really hard to see the best in everything and whenever possible, try and get those parts and, and adopt them into my life. Um, you know, so Pennsylvania, we're, we're central Pennsylvania, you know, we get a hard rap where it's a, it's a, it's a tough place to grow up, but there are kind people there. Um, and you know, but we, we're sort of known for fighting at the drop of a hat for like, literally, Hey, is that a red shirt? Let's, do you mind if I just punch you upside the head right now? Is that cool? Um, <laughs> don't it, need a lot of reason. My high bro. school buddy is like, I'm like, are you guys seriously mad about that still? Like, are we still fighting about that? Like, yeah. uh, when moving to Nashville, one of the things that I loved was I'd go to parties and like, literally, I, I think I was here for a year and I was like, oh my gosh, I've been to like several parties and I literally haven't seen a fight in like a whole year. This is crazy. 
A lot of love in Nashville. Yeah. More, more love than angst. So I think I, I think Nashville kind of toned me down a little bit. And, uh, you know, having moved to Colorado, you know, I picked up things there. But I think uh, I think Nashville sort of took some of that edge off of me. Unless I'm in the car, in which case I hate all of you. <laughs> um, yeah, back to the hate. Calm, calm me back down a little bit, which oh, is good. Oh, man. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, you are a musician. I- I've seen you play some some music before. Uh, quite skilled on the guitar. Uh, what's what's some of your favorite music? Like who who's some some artists and some bands? I mean, that's that's a broad question, I know. But who's some people that you just inherently love on, on the music scene, either past or or present? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, gosh, I could go through every genre and talk about it, with the exception of country music. I know. Uh, I don't. You love didn't, well, that's that would have been the answer to what is not Nashville. Yeah, not well, a country music well, band. That, there you that's go. Probably part of it. Um, Answered it without even being asked. You're the ultimate guest. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, so I, I mean, I'm a big fan of prog rock, um, old and new. I mean, I, I really enjoy Yes and Rush. Um, some of the newer stuff like Coheed and Cambria, Mars Volta, Circa Survive. Like some of the. I, maybe you classify them into post emo. I don't know. I liked, I liked when emo got mad, like emo was kind of whiny for a while. And then they got mad and they're like, yeah, you know what? Don't get sad, get even. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's the stuff that I like. Um, <laughs> that found a spot. That, do, you, do you have any, any concerts that you saw from here that stick out? Just like, ah, oh, man, like, oh man. I mean, I worked in the business for a while. Um, my first three years out of college, I worked for EMI. Um, I was, I was a sales rep for them. Like, small scale sales rep. I sold into bookstores. Um, so actual CDs too. Like if anybody remembers what those are on the CD game. Yeah. yeah. I remember when digital music became a thing there, but, um, yeah. I, um, gosh, I'd have to think about that a little bit. So, I mean, we got to see a lot of new artists. So the label that I, or the, when I worked for EMI, we covered a, a label called tooth and nail and a couple other, other labels, but they, they would spit out some pretty cool like bands that were never going to get huge, but they were rad. I mean, I just remember some cool ones, but uh, one of my favorite bands to this day now is, is a group called Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. Um, Are they a Nashville band? Uh, I don't think so. I don't remember. I don't even remember where those guys are from, but they, they, there's a lot of screaming in there. Um, and I, Enough that I was, some of my friends were like, what's your hype up song? And they were like playing these like kind of club mixes and stuff. And they're like, what's yours? I'm like, are you sure you want to hear it? <laughs> and I you said yesterday, like, uh, they were like, uh, what is yeah. this? <laughs> you said yesterday, Dr. Feel Good, uh, oh my Motley God, Crue, yeah. it was, was, uh, something that sticks out as, uh, something I'm, to get you going. Yeah. I'm on like a 80s huge rock, 80s hair metal kick right now. Like at rat, uh, Motley Crue, Skid Row, um, just go through all of them. And I, I've got a Pandora station that's basically framed around round and round by rat right now. <laughs> and it is, it just like, it never disappoints. Oh man. Is there any, is there any musical band that you've just been a fan of a long time that you've never seen live that you're like, oh man, if I could, if I could make it happen, you live super close to red rocks. Yeah, um, yeah. one of my favorite concerts I've ever seen in my life is my morning jacket at red rocks. Yeah. I've never been there. I saw them two nights in a row. It was totally awesome. I was so excited about it on the flight to Colorado to come stay with you and Emily and go see this concert i left my phone in the airport just so <laughs> yeah that's totally that. me just so excited like don't need this phone i'll just leave it here at bna and get it when i return but one of the best concerts i've ever seen in my life was there compliments of the stoners you guys were were gracious host um anything out there that maybe you haven't seen that you're like oh my god i would just love to see that band yeah you know like i'm i'm a little smoked on live music right now and, and I, there's 
there is a band, there's a band called fair to Midland that they, they put out a couple albums and then dropped off the map. Um, I did see them live, but I would, I would have loved to see them play live again. They, it was one of those, sh- I literally, and this is, this is the way my musical taste is. Like I, I literally had like one of like their album on my phone and I must've played it for like 40 people in Colorado. I'm like, Hey, do you want to go see this with me? Hey, do you no, I went, ended up going by myself. No takers. Rode the bus down, just stood there in a black hoodie and drank beer the whole time and listened to these guys. And I would, I wish I could go see those guys again. Like yeah. that was fun. I, fair to Midland. Fair to Midland. Yeah. I, not everybody, probably not everybody's cup of tea, but I really enjoyed it. That's all right, man. This is, this is, this is your game here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, we're going to move into speed sessions for uh, right. running 615. We're going to go quick. You, like many other guests here, uh, were a participant in Fleet Feet speed sessions. Indeed I was. Um, did a lot of workouts. I remember one workout distinctly where you did a lot of mile repeats in a row and workout went great. And we celebrated that workout by reporting directly to Waffle House from the track to Waffle House. I don't remember which one was better, but uh, that is a memory. What's what's the fastest mile you've ever run? Do you remember? Yes, I do. In fact, I think you were there. Um, I did it twice that summer, and this is one of. I don't know if I don't think I'll ever get to beat this, but I ran a five hundred one twice that summer. I never got to break into the five hundred one. Was it at CPA? And yeah, I did the, the one there, and then uh, I I missed the last time trial. I think I'm, I'm trying to remember this. I missed. I think I missed the last time trial, and I was in Jersey at the time. So I mean, my dad was there, and he he's a big fan of track and field. He loved watching me grow up and he ran too when he was younger. Uh, we went over to the track and, you know, but he, he was a sprinter too. So I think the mile thing was kind of lost on him. I don't think he realized how, like, how cool this would have been if I could have gotten under five minutes, yeah. but I landed right at freaking 501 again. And I'm Double 501. Curse well, you, 501. 501 is wicked That's okay. I, I've got other things that I've done. So 501. 501. Okay, Stoner, here we go, bud. Running the 615 speed sessions, no wrong answers, just rapid fire. Um, you don't even have to answer the actual question. You can just say whatever you want. You ready? <laughs> yeah. Here we go, bud. Trails or roads? Ah, uh, trails. Of course. Early bird or night owl? Absolutely an early bird. Nice. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Breakfast. Breakfast in Colorado is awesome. We hit some great spots out there. Or at Waffle House. That's good, too. Compliments of your guidance. Um, the old favorite Nashville breakfast. restaurant. Do you, have a, do you have one you remember? Ooh, um, Fat Moe's. Fat Moe's. Unquestionably. Yeah. All right. Um, coffee, tea, soda, water, or alcohol. You could take two coffee and beer. There you go. Bookends, coffee and alcohol. You'll yeah, take. yeah. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Yep. 29 in a row. Uh, talker or listener? Um, that depends on the situation, but I, I think I've become more of a listener th- these be. days. Yep. Beach or mountains? <sighs> Living mountains, vacation, beach. Okay. Something that is not good for you that you do anyway. <laughs> I could ask that to uh, a, a guy you know as your alter ego named The Jam, and Jam would run. That could be one podcast is just The Jam answering that question. You know, I, I, what does Graham Stoner do that you know is not great for you, but you do it anyway? Um, you know, I probably, it's probably my anger on the road. I, I get so mad. Road at rage. Uh, yeah. Okay. And, it's, and it, who does that help? Nobody. They can't hear me yelling from my car, right? Well, that's a, but I'm it doesn't make sure me ever, feel any better. I'm I just sure get more we, mad. I don't think we've had that answer. That's yeah, I think it's probably my road rage. Uh, well, how about this? Something that is good for you that you want to do more of? Um, 
I, I know this is cliche and I know everybody said about recovery would be good. I, I need to do better about that. Allow yourself runs. more recovery or work on it better. Like, you know, stretching, uh, foam rolling, oh, ice bass and all that good stuff is doing it. 0% a bad thing. That's where I'm at. <laughs> well, you have, uh, good, you have good data to start from then. What about uh favorite cookie or favorite candy or both? Oh man. So, uh, a few years ago at a party, one of my friends and Emily has made them for me since then. One of my friends made these cookies that were <laughs> Oreo cookies wrapped in chocolate chip cookie, Okay, which was absolutely brilliant, by the way. That sounds brilliant. Yeah. That's taken two of my favorites and just mind blowingly good. And all the calories you can think of. Yes. So good. So good. I know this answer. Favorite sports team. Fly, Eagles, fly. I won't sing the whole thing, but I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan through and through. Well, congratulations. The Titans have had one great wide receiver in the 20-year history of their franchise, and he's now a Philadelphia Eagle. Well, so. as I told you yesterday, we will find a way to ruin him and not make any dividends from him. I love so. A.J. Brown. I hope Just you don't watch. ruin him, but, man, I wish he was still a Titan. Poor guy. Uh, what is your favorite or a dream vacation spot? Oh, man. Um Gosh, I, you know, I'm weird. Like we went to Hawaii on our, our honeymoon and I loved, I think Hawaii is absolutely amazing. Like there was that place connected with my soul in a weird way. Like I, I know, I don't know, but I have to say, like, I really like taking vacations to random places and sort of checking out the hole in the walls. Um, I, when I traveled a lot, I loved finding like I stumbled into like St. Charles, Missouri one time, which is just North of St. Louis. And I loved it there. It was just like yeah. this cool little old town where I, I finding the hideaways. Yeah. Just yeah. tiny little places like that. There's some, and the world is any country. They're chock full of cool places like that. I loved it. I, yeah. those, those, that's my idea of a fun vacation, sort of just like under the radar places. I agree, man. Totally. Uh, favorite TV show or movie of all time. Oh man. Um, TV show. Um, I would have to say it's probably a tie between Malcolm in the Middle and the Goldbergs. Oh, yes. Which uh, are kind of similar vibe. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What about favorite movie? Favorite movie? Um, man, I don't even... I'm trying to think if I could pick one of those. I I was always a huge fan of Blade back in the day. Blade with Wesley Snipes? Yeah. Yes. That, there was more than one Blade. That's uh, that's a throwback. Although though. I could yes. watch any Marvel movie, movie pretty much at any time now. They're... They just, they tug at my heartstrings in the They're best way. There. They I, scratch I cried, you where you itch. I cried three times during the end, the last Avengers movie. So it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, best way to recover after a long run. According to you and I, the answer is to not recover. But uh, what what's uh, what's something you'd like? Well, to do? this is just a different version of recovery. Probably a trip to Waffle House and then a trip to wherever I can get a, like a bucket of yangling. All right. Nice. Yeah. Uh, is there anything that you were afraid of, Stoner? Man, um... I, I would say that, and this is, I've, I've heard other people answer this question and this is probably one of the hardest ones for me to try and figure out. Like, I think for me, the thing that I am most afraid of is all of the things that I will not get to accomplish in, even if I live to be 150, all the things that I will not get to accomplish and experience in this world. I, right. there's just so much cool stuff to do. And yeah, yeah. You're afraid of, of, of missing out. Yeah. On definitely all FOMO this. on all the, all the things. Yeah. Um, music or no music when you are running? 
Um, depends on the run. I, I, my workouts, I like my music. I like, I, I have a, a workout mix that I've sort of just been adding to for the last 15 years that um, most of the songs are guys screaming at you. But yeah, they, they are. Or, yeah. you know, or some, some angry hip hop, but, uh, yeah, I, I also, I do prefer talking to people though. I think at the end of the day, like if I can run like we did yesterday and just talk and catch up, that's to me, that's better entertainment and probably better motivation. Right. Watch or no watch. Watch. I love data. Awesome. Love it. Need it. Uh, is there any misconception about you? <laughs> um, everything that you know about me is a misconception. All of it. All is of there it. any misconception about Graham? Actually, yes. Everything. everything. <laughs> yes. Uh, what's your favorite holiday? Ooh, um, I got to go with the trifecta, the Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, the the three of them together, like late October, to me, if you, if you take December. one of those out for me there, it doesn't, it does just doesn't hit the same. So yeah. like, for me, it's the trifecta together. Uh, awesome. Who inspires you? Um, you know, the people who inspire me most, uh, you know, this is something that I think about a lot too. Um, there are two groups of people that inspire me. There are people there are people, well, I'll start with this one. This one's easier. I think the, there are people who aren't, who are, who society tells them are not meant to do things and then go do them. Like, uh, I, I and I, I please don't hear me. I, I hope you hear, hear the forest of the trees here. Cause I'm sure I'm going to say this badly, but I love when people who are not typical runners builds, get out there and work their ass off and get shit done. Like to me, that is just super inspiring. Yeah. The other thing that I really like is when you see somebody who's an extremely, extremely talented or influential at something and, and it's clearly worked hard for something, but are willing to step off of that pedestal for a while to get, to come back to real life and help somebody. Like I don't, I'm sorry. I don't care how good you are at what you do. If you don't do it to help, if if you, if you're not using that to help people around you, you're not, not your, your value and you're, you're on my value scale. You've dropped significantly. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, if you want a million dollars, what's the first thing you'd buy? <laughs> I would pay, I'd probably pay off my house. Yeah. You and Eminem and, and yeah. Deacon uh, are living in a new, new place in Colorado. You just put a dent on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you have a favorite book or a favorite quote? Um, favorite book. I, I tend to read the Lord of the Rings on cycle. Um, it helps me fall asleep. I, I don't, I don't sleep well, so it helps me fall asleep. Um, for that, for what it's worth, anybody that has trouble sleeping, find a book that you love, but you already know what happens. Like it'll keep you entertained, but you're not dying to find out what happens next and sort of just relax while you read it. That helps me a lot. Awesome. Um, but quote, uh, it's a, it's a Thoreau quote. Hold on a sec. Henry Thoreau. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to, uh, let, let me find out. I want to, I want to read it out loud. Um, um, and you'll have to edit out the, the black space here. Maybe, maybe we won't. Maybe this will be people's favorite part of the interview. Hold on. Uh, oh, are you kidding me right now? There's another quote with the word precedent in it. Which, which Thoreau precedent? Uh, here we go. All right. So this is the quote. And this is something that has just, it, I, I stumbled onto this when I was reading uh, Walden many years ago. If I remember, actually remember doing this, which is weird because I don't have a great memory, but the quote is, but man's capacities have never been measured, nor are we to judge of what he can do by any precedence. 
so little have been tried. And I love that. Just, it just reminds me that like, I, I am not at my limit ever. And I, you know, always chase, always go, um, yeah. Run, run and find out as my tattoo says. Yeah, man. Running, running. That's another run. great quote. Run and find out. It's That's the motto it. of the mongoose family from the jungle book. Which, run and find out. Yeah. It's in Ricky Tiki Tavi. Watch it and love it. Yes. Uh, what is one piece of advice you would give your younger self? <laughs> Don't be such a douche. <laughs> Stop right there. That is literally <laughs> perfect. It encapsulates Works. it all. Uh, you said we'd ask this favorite race distance. Uh, gosh, I'd have to say 10 miles. I really like that distance. Team Nashville 10 miler. We need you back. Uh, it looks like November 4th, 2022. All right. It's waiting for you. Um, kind of covered a little bit of this. What has running taught you? It's just endless things. If you guys are ever thinking about starting to run and like, Take it slow and go out and enjoy it because the lessons you'll learn from that. I mean, the uh, the value of sticking with something and, and persevering and and uh, that's there. But man, you will learn so many things from running. Uh, it just, do it and stay stay in the moment. You know, don't, yeah. don't just focus on the races. Enjoy enjoy the journey too. There's so much to be enjoyed there. That's awesome. Hugs, high fives, or fist bumps. Ah. Uh, Man, in the COVID COVID world, I like I like the fist bump. I just it's it's pretty good. But I I don't I do like a good hug here and there. Yep, I'm right there with you. What is the purpose of life, Graham Stoner? Um, as far as I'm concerned, leave everything you touched better than you found it, and whether that's verbally touching or or physically actually you know fixing something, leave it better than you found it. The, awesome. The world needs that, man. Yeah. Stoner, thank you for being here. You were on the original list when I, like I said, when I wrote down friends and people who I would like to interview and, and let others hear your story. Uh, you're a super insightful guy. You're absolutely one of my favorites that I've ever met in life. That's uh, 100% the case. Graham and his wife, Emily, asked me to be the um, officiant of their wedding, which was quite an honor. Uh, I am uh, still a member of the University of Life Church because of that. The Anyone would like to join, $30 is all it'll cost. Uh, <laughs> but man, I, I'm just a huge fan of yours, Graham, not only just for who you are, but the memories that we have, man. We've done a lot of fun things together and um, neat for you to come back to Nashville. It's just, Everything in the past 48 hours has felt really, really normal with some of the things yeah. we've done and, and just like right back to it. So Thank you, man, for being here, but thanks more important for your friendship and, and just being a, a good thing in my life, man. It means a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will never say it like as well as you just did, but I, I mean, Drew was one of the people that was there for me as I was going through a lot of that stuff. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, and um, for those of you guys who listen to this podcast, you know, one of the things that I found amazing about Drew is that he asks wonderful open-ended questions, which is an absolutely last art. He's also very good at listening and he, he actually cares. So if you have not spent time one-on-one -on -one with Drew Jones at some point, even if it's just getting coffee in line, you're, you've missed out on something in life. So thank you for being my, my being my friend all these years, man. Yeah, and man. Just, Drew's been, he, he has been a little bit of a big brother figure to me. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. And the roles will flip on that soon, soon enough. <laughs> we'll uh, see. Yeah, man. Thank you, buddy. It's great yeah. to have you here. All right, brother. 